Oh, we could sing all day, but um, I can't sing, so you better take a seat. Can't sing, I better preach and do something different. It's good to have you with us this morning. I hope you're having a great weekend, long weekend. Who's ready, kids? Tuesday is coming. And all the parents said amen. We love you so much, we want you to get a good education. Very good. Hey, I'm going to get into it because we, in our summer in January, we try and do one-hour services, so that gives me 20 minutes to uh, share this morning, so um, I'll get straight into it. Short, sharp and sweet, we hope, in Jesus' name. Last week, I, um, I shared a, a word that I believe was the word that God gave for us as a church. It's a word that um, we spoke about at the prayer meeting that we had here on New Year's Eve. And the word was this, the word was unshakable. And I, I spoke that last week. And if you consider Real Life Church to be home, I really encourage you to listen to that message if you weren't here, because it's a word that I feel is not only just last week's sermon title, but a word for us as a church in 2018. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we serve an unshakable God who is building an unshakable kingdom. And he calls you and I as his followers to be unshakable in a world that is shaking, in a world that is changing, in a world that is always constantly um, just things that we're going, this isn't what it used to be. It's always changing. But our God remains. His love remains. His truth remains. We live in an ever-changing world. And some of those changes are good. And some of them are not some of them we probably wish didn't happen and some of them we're glad that they did happen. But the thing is, change is always happening. But our God remains the same. And to, last week was a word for us as a church and today is a message and it's called The Table. And The Table is something that I have um, been feeling and just within my heart and my spirit for the last, I don't know, 12 months at least. And it's something we've been talking about. Last year, we introduced a new event called The Table, and um, we're not claiming that we invented The Table. We just had a, a weekend where we, we called it The Table. It was something that we started speaking to and referring to, and it's going to be something that we refer to a lot more in 2018. But it's important to know, and I've already said it, that The Table, we called it an event, but The Table's not an event. The Table, and what I want to speak about this morning, is rather it's a mindset, it's a, it's a change in our mindset. It's a, sh a shift in our thinking, in the way we think about church, in the way we think about gathering together as his body. It's a shift from this. It's from less produced events to more relational gatherings. It's a shift from less church services to more meals together. It's a shift from less time looking at the back of someone's head like you're doing right now and more time spent face-to-face -face gathered around the table. Just have a look at the person's head in front of you. Count their hairs. Some of you, that's an easy job. Some of you, that's a bit harder. <laughs> the table is a, is a shift in our mindset and our thinking. It is not throwing out the others. It is not throwing out church services. It is not throwing out praise and worship. It is not throwing out what we're doing right now. It is just an acknowledgement that we need to create more time and space in our own lives and the life of our church for gathering around the table, for gathering around together. And so I want to share a little bit of the heart from that this morning. And it's interesting because it's a challenge within everything I know about what church looks like. It goes against the norm. It goes against what I've grown up in. It goes against what I've done as far as being a pastor for over 20 years. 
even today coming to church this morning going, okay, we don't have any words on the screen. How are we going to cope? Will we survive? Will Jesus still show up if we don't have words on the screen? Because everything in my thinking goes, we need to have words on the screen. And it's important to have words on the screen, don't get me wrong. But it's going, you know what? That's not the main thing. It's not the most important thing. And it's a shift away from a produced event to say, no, we're gathered together as one because we believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And where two or three are gathered together, he is there in the midst. But it was a battle within here and within here to think what's the most important thing? What's the thing that really matters? And so this morning I want to share with you, like I said, around this concept of gathering around the table. Who here enjoys gathering around the table? Who here enjoys it, spending time with friends and family and eating good food together, talking together, laughing together, celebrating together? Does anyone enjoy that? Yes. yes. I don't think there's anyone here that doesn't. Some of you are getting hungry right now. You know, I read this article in the last month and it just really described some of what I'd been thinking and feeling. And I'll, I'll refer to it a few times today. And he said this quote, Tables are one of the most important places of human connection. We're often most fully alive to life when sharing a meal around a table. Not only are they a lot of fun, but tables are also a great place of connection. They're a great place of getting to know each other, of, of doing life together. They are an important thing. They can also be a place where I believe God shows up. I believe that maybe God even likes the idea of gathering around the table. Throughout the Bible, we see that, that this is true. At the center of spiritual lives of God's people in both the Old and the New Testament, we find a table. It's the table of Passover in the Old Testament and the table of communion in the New Testament. God gathered his people around a table. The table can be a place where we connect with God. The table can be a place where God speaks to us. It's actually how Jesus taught his disciples. When Jesus wanted to teach his disciples, he didn't call a service. He didn't put some praise and worship on. He, he did that at other times in his own, but he didn't put a church service on. You know what he did? He had food. When Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what was forthcoming about his death, what did he do? He didn't give them a theory. He didn't give them a sermon. He gave them a meal. And they gathered for what we call the Last Supper, a meal together. They were celebrating the Passover. They were eating together. Let's read where this took place. Matthew 26, 26. As they were eating... Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And when we had communion this morning, we remembered everything that that body represents and has won for us. But in this first communion, there is a pattern. In this first communion table, there is a pattern established. And the pattern is this. First of all, he blessed the bread. Then he broke the bread and then he gave the bread. And Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message um, version of the Bible, or the message, um, it's not actually a translation, what's it called? A interpretation, that's the word I'm looking for. He says this, This pattern of being blessed, broken and given is at the very heart of the Christian story. It's at the very heart of our story. And it's a pattern we experience as we gather around the table. This morning, I want to look very quickly. The table as a place of blessing, the table as a place of brokenness, and the table as a place of giving. First, the table is a place of blessing. The enjoyment we get from good food is a picture of God's goodness. 
His above and beyond blessing for us. Everyone think of their favorite thing to eat right now. Come on. You visualize it. It's done. It's there. Now, hand up. Is that thing good for you? Oh, yeah, there's something. That's good. That's okay. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, the first man, the first woman, they were in the Garden of Eden. It says this about the food that God provided for them. Genesis 2.9 says this, The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, and listen to it, and produced delicious fruit. He didn't have to do that. The fruit didn't have to be delicious. The fruit could all taste like broccoli, but it didn't. Yeah, broccoli is, no, it's not that good. He gave us taste buds. He gave us fruit that tastes good. It didn't just serve the purpose of filling you up and giving you energy, but it actually tasted good. God designed it to be delicious. That's the way he designed it. He designed food to be delicious, and he designed you and I to be able to appreciate it. Do you know this? The average human has about 10,000 taste buds. And the only explanation I can conceive for why that would be is that God loves us. He really loves us. After all, it didn't have to be that way. This is a quote, although I agree with it. God did not have to make us capable of experiencing such delight. He could have made us with one taste bud. He could have made us the sort of creatures for whom food is merely fuel. Our 10,000 taste buds are a display of His grace and an expression of His love. God created us to enjoy the food that He created. So to me, the table is a place to remember the blessings of God. The table is a place to give thanks for His goodness. The table is a place where we can see the food set before us and that food can represent everything good that God has ever provided in our life. Not just the food set before us, but every blessing, every provision and every goodness that God has ever given us. That food can represent His goodness and His love for you and I. The way that He created us. The food is a reminder. I write this, as we appreciate good food, we can appreciate our good God. When we say grace, we say thank you for the food that we're about to eat. We say a blessing over it and we are reminded of God's goodness in our life. The coming around the table is not just for fuel, although that's important. Kids, you need to eat your vegetables. It's not just to give you the energy that you need for the day. It is also there, I believe, as a reminder of God's provision in your life, of God's goodness in your life and God's blessing in your life. Every time you eat food, be reminded that God is your provider and He wants to bless you and He has abundantly blessed us above and beyond in our life. The table can be a place of God's blessing, a demonstration of how He loves us and wants to bless our life. The table can also be a place of brokenness, especially when the kids muck up. No, just kidding. I want to look at another meal that takes place between Jesus and His disciples. It's found in the book of John 21. We're not going to read it for the sake of time. But it's this place in the Bible where the disciples have been, Jesus has um, died, he's rose again. The disciples are out fishing. They've gone fishing. Peter's led them saying, I'm going back to what I know and I'm fishing. And you know the story, they fish all night, they catch nothing. And as they're returning to the shore, they see Jesus and he instructs them to cast out their nets again. And this time they catch so many fish, their nets can't contain them. 
And at this moment, Peter jumps out of the boat. He recognises Jesus and he swims to the shore to see Jesus. Jesus has made a fire on the beach. He's cooking some fish and he invites Peter and the disciples to come and have breakfast with him. This time, the table, the meal, is a barbecue on the beach. Sounds all right, doesn't it? Let me read what some of this article says about the significance of this moment. The word that John, the storyteller, uses to describe the first time that Jesus made... Start again. The word that John, the storyteller, uses to describe the fire that Jesus made is a word that occurs in only one other place in all of Scripture. It's in John 18, 18. And there the word used is of the fire where Peter and the others warmed themselves on the night of Jesus' arrest and trial. The charcoal fire of John 18, 18 was the place of Peter's denial. For Peter, shame had a smell. And that smell was of burning charcoal. That the charcoal fire of John 21 is also the place of Peter's restoration. The simple invitation of Jesus to his friend is, come and have breakfast. The fire that represented the place where, Je where Peter denied Jesus, said, I don't even know who he is, is also the same fire that Jesus burns and places there and simply says to him, hey, come and have breakfast. The place that was the place of his greatest weakness, the place of his denial, the place of his failure, was now the place of restoration was now the place where Jesus spoke to Peter and he has that encounter where he says, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, yes, I love you. Do you love me? And he goes, feed my sheep. And he restores him to his calling. He takes him from being broken, lost and without purpose and gives him purpose, hope and says, no, this is who you are and this is what I've called you to do. And he does all of that around a table or maybe a picnic rug instead. But the table, he does it around a meal. He does it around food together. He does it in a place where they can talk and be honest and open. And he restores Peter's life at the table. The meal, this meal is the place where Peter, a broken man, is restored and connected back to Jesus. I believe the tables we gather around should be places that no matter how broken we are, we find connection, belonging, acceptance and restoration. We need to be honest and open enough to admit that we need each other at our tables. Open and honest enough to admit that we are broken people, that we are not perfect, that we are on this journey to following Jesus Christ and putting him first in our life with all of our faults, with all of our failures. We are broken people, but broken people together at the table is a place of authenticity and it's a place that I want to be at, where we admit that we're not perfect, but we just say, hey, we want to be together. We want to grow together. We want to learn together. We want to share our lives together as broken people. We're all broken people doing our best to follow our God together. And what a better way to do that than around the table. The table is a place of giving. As Christians, we are people who are blessed and broken and given. Despite of your brokenness, despite of my brokenness, God chooses us to represent him on the earth to fulfill his mission of rescuing and restoring his good but his broken creation. When we set our tables, we give of ourselves. Our blessings are shared with others. And I believe it's one of the best things we can do to share our life with others. I love this quote. His name is Barry Jones who wrote this article. Baza, that's right. Good Aussie name. I'm convinced that our dinner tables had the potential to be the most missional places 
in all of our lives. Perhaps before we invite people to Jesus or invite them to church, we should invite them to dinner. What a great statement. What a great truth that is right there. If you look at Jesus' life, he didn't just eat meals with his disciples, his followers. He ate meals with everyone and anyone. Yes, Jesus used the table to teach his disciples. Yes, he used the table to disciple them. But he also used the table as the place to get to know people. People who were far from God. People who you wouldn't want to sit next to at the table, but he sat with them. He had a reputation of eating and drinking with the wrong type of people. One of the most distinctive things about him was that he ate with notorious sinners. That's who Jesus is. And just at the heart of our church is that all people would be welcome. My heart is that all people would be welcome in this church. My heart is also that our tables would be placed where all people are welcome. That we give our life to people and say, hey, you are welcome at my table. There is a place for you at my table. I don't have to agree with you. I don't have to agree with your lifestyle, but you are welcome at my table. And you will not find judgment here. You will find love, acceptance and truth at my table. Our tables can be places where our lives are poured out for all people. Our tables can be places where people can find Jesus. And this is what I write. Our tables to be places where we can have fun and connect. Because who wants to sit at a boring table? (laughs) Where we can experience and remember the blessings of God in our life. Where we can be authentic with one another, accepting our brokenness, And where we can give of our lives to all who may want to sit at our table. That's the picture of the table that I have. And I believe that God is is shifting something within the church. He's definitely shifting something within me. Where we go, you know what, let's make more room for these type of gatherings. Let's make more space in our own world for this type of thing. This year, as a church, you're going to hear the word, the table. And we're not going into the table manufacturing business, don't you worry. But we are going to spend more time gathering around the table. The first example of this is in two weeks. Sunday, the 11th of February. 10 a.m. start. We'll start in here with praise, worship, preaching. But by 11 a.m., so in two minutes' time, we'll be moving out into the foyer. Church won't be finished. Church will continue in the foyer around the table. Now, we're not all going to fit around that big table, so we'll put some more tables out there. And what we're asking you to do is to bring a plate of food to share, something that you can give, and say, hey, we're going to stay, and we're going to linger, and we're going to hang out, and we're going to have lunch together, or food together, and eat together, and spend some time connecting. Spend some time sharing our journeys with another. Spend some time getting to know people in this church that we don't know. Getting out of our comfort zones, getting out of our clique of friends that we know, and it's safe in that clique, and it's good in that clique, but we want to be a church and a community that's open and meets new people. And so gathering around a table is how we're going to do that. So in two weeks' time, it's our first one. All the tables are not going to look the same, but when you hear the word the table, basically you can think of this. Food, connection, and gathering. And it might look a bit different and be at different places and have different structure, but essentially they will be the things that happen at the table. So that's happening in two weeks' time. And there'll be many more opportunities throughout the year to gather around the table together. But I also encourage you, and I have 
we have made a thing in our, our lives that we want to do this more, that we would gather around the table more in our life, that we'd make more time for it, that we wouldn't let comparison stop us. You know, comparison is one of the greatest enemies to this. You're thinking, I can't cook like someone else. I don't have a house like someone else. I don't have the space like someone else. It's not about that. It is about opening up your life and sharing it with others. Find a way to gather with others for a meal. It doesn't have to be in your home. It could be at the park. Just do a Jesus and go to Zacchaeus. Hey, I'm coming to your house for lunch today. (laughs) Do whatever you can to connect with others and make space and time in your world to do that. I think the practice of gathering around the table for a slow meal together is needed more than ever in our world. In our fast-paced, technology-driven, highly connected, highly busy, highly task-focused world, I think people are craving a table to gather around. I know that I am. Let's be a people that set that table and make room at that table for anyone in our world that may want to sit at that table. Let our tables be a picture of God's coming kingdom, God's unshakable kingdom. As we finish this morning, I want to read what Isaiah the prophet spoke of when he prophesied and he spoke of the day when God's reign would finally come in all of its fullness. Listen to how he describes the coming kingdom of God. Isaiah 25 verse 6 from the message. But here on this mountain, God of the angel armies will throw a feast for all the people of the world, a feast of the finest foods, a feast with vintage wines, a feast of seven courses, a feast lavish with gourmet desserts. And here on this mountain, God will banish the pall of doom hanging over all peoples, the shadow of doom darkening all nations. He'll banish death forever And God will wipe the tears from every face. He'll remove every sign of disgrace from his people, wherever they are. Yes, God says so. One day, Jesus will return for his people to be with him for eternity. And I love the way that Isaiah describes it. He describes it as a lavish feast that is prepared. A table that is set that God wants to spend eternity with his creation and the way we can be at that table the way that we can one day experience what Isaiah was talking about is by believing in Jesus and by giving him our life to follow him we're going to finish this morning but I want to give you an opportunity if you are here to book your spot at that table to put your RSVP in and saying hey I'm believing for that day when Jesus Christ returns that all those who know him and believe in him and follow him will be invited to that feast. That invitation goes out to every one of us on the earth, but it's available for those that choose to follow Jesus, that choose to believe in him, that choose to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'm going to ask us to close our eyes. I'm not going to prolong this, but I am going to give you an opportunity right now to make a decision to invite Jesus into your heart. To make a decision that says, I believe and I want to follow Jesus with my life. Maybe for the first time 
Or maybe today is a way of reconnecting and coming back into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're saying, I've fallen out of relationship with Him, but I want to be in relationship with Him. I want to be back at that table in communion with Him, in relationship with Him. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand quickly where you are so that we can see it because one of our team would just love to pray with you and connect with you after the service. I can see that hand and I can see that hand over there. There's two people that put their hand up this morning. Is there anyone else that wants to raise their hand and say, yeah, I want a relationship with that God who loves me and is for me. Thank you for those two that raised their hand. Church, I'm going to ask us to pray this prayer together. We're going to pray it for the two that raised their hand, but we're going to help them and we're going to pray it together. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. By repeating it after me, it's just acknowledging and confessing with your mouth that what you believe in your heart. So can we all say this together? Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you. I believe you are the Son of God. You came to give me eternal life. I open my heart to you. I receive you as my Saviour. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Today I receive your forgiveness. Take control of my life from this day onwards. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Those two that prayed that prayer this morning, that's, yeah, give them a hand, church. It's fantastic. Like I said, one of our team would just love to, to chat with you and talk with you after the service and um, give you a Bible. You know, church, today marks 21 days of prayer for our movement. This church is part of the Australian Christian churches. And right across this nation, ACC churches are embarking, starting today, on 21 days of prayer. And each week, there's a different focus for the prayer. This week, the focus is our local area, our mayor, our councillors, our local businesses, our local schools, the needs of our community, just the local area. And so what we're going to do to finish our service today is we're going to pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer for our local area. And then Dan is going to pray over every student returning to school this week. So I'm going to ask that anyone returning to school this week, that as we're praying, just put your hand up so we know we're praying for you. Who's going back to school this week? We're going to pray for you that this year would be an amazing year in 2018. And so we're going to pray as a church to finish, and then I'll hand back to Ali. So can we all stand, church? Let's stand up together. I'm going to pray for our local area, and then Dan's going to pray for every student for the year ahead of them. Cool? Let's pray.